What is up, sports world? You're back with Fourth and Forever Sports, and as always, you've got Scott here, joined by Jacob and Taylor. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Happy to be back. Taylor, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. I uh, can honestly say that I missed you guys. Oh, I missed you too, man. Speaking of, it's been a long two weeks. I haven't heard either one of your nice, silky smooth voices. Uh, how's uh, your time off been? Feet in the sand, drinking Mai Tais, disappointing the listeners, and generally just being lazy. Did you, did you have a good two-week break there? Yeah, you know, I wish we could have made it work uh, in between the two weeks here, but, you know, the real world is still out there. We don't get to do this full-time yet. I did say yet. You know, it, it would be cool someday. Now, I was actually tied up last week. Um, our local fair was last week, and I'm actually on the fair board. And I also do quite a bit through my bank as well. And I'm a big community involvement guy, like giving back. 4-H and FFA scene was a big part of me coming up. So I I love seeing kids do it now and big promoter of that. Unfortunately, that's also a full seven-day stretch every single year that I don't have a lot of extra time. So here we are. Yeah, Jacob, as much as I'd like to blame uh, you for us not having a podcast last week, I was a part of that too. Yeah, it's just hard for us sometimes to get our schedules lined up. And I'm a dad and a husband, and I got two jobs. So I appreciate you guys you guys uh, bearing with me too. I mean, we're always going to have things come up, guys. Uh, obviously, family comes first, work comes first. You and I had a pretty chaotic week at work also. our uh, you know, It's the hottest weekend of the year. And our store's AC units went down on Friday. So Friday, Saturday, Yikes. Sunday, Monday were pretty brutal. We had some temp units in there, but it's not the same. So I 100% understand that life happens. Uh, and we do have careers outside of this for now. Fingers crossed one day. Um, but yeah, I get it, guys. <laughs> so how was uh, Jacob, man? How was the fair? It was really good. It was really good. I was involved. I actually announced three different shows. I announced the goat show, the sheep show, and the uh, beef show all day. So I guess four shows technically. And I always really enjoy doing that. It was good, man. Dude, it's real good. I know you were excited. Did you end up winning the uh, mutton busting? No, they they unfortunately didn't have a sheep that would uh, carry me. <laughs> I was I, I exceeded the weight limit on that ride. Yeah. Hold on, hold yeah. on. For all those who don't know and who are who are not from rural Kansas, what is mutton busting? I need, you I need see, a little more detail here. You see, Scotty B said that because he actually doesn't know either. What Facts. is mutton busting? Well, let's define mutton busting. So mutton is a term for sheep, right? And the busting part is the noise your head makes when you fall off said sheep. <laughs> <laughs> no it's a it's a little kid thing um i'm not sure what the age cutoff is four or five probably these little kids get helmets on and it's a lot like bull riding except miniature version and they ride sheep it's pretty sick actually they run these sheep into a chute little kid gets on the back of it hangs on to the wool they kick the gate open sheep flies kids fly it's fantastic there's some hardcore little kids out there, man. Oh, yeah. I have Shaps, a, feel, I have a feeling my kids won't do that. You say that. <laughs> Not never lie, say that never. pretty Taylor. awesome. They, they oh, may yeah. want to, but my, I feel like my wife will shut that down. Ah, oh, no, there's time. Alex, when you <laughs> listen to this, remember this. You're doing it. Cowboy, <laughs> for sure. That's got to happen soon. All right. Yeah, well, yeah that, that probably is something he would actually enjoy. Well, I got to ask, since we're talking about the fair, 
other than mutton busting, which is new to me, so thanks for teaching me something new there, Jacob. What's y'all's first go-to when you go to the fair, right? You guys a deep-fried chocolate fan, like fried what, fried this, that. I personally am a drumstick and Indian taco guy, maybe a funnel keg. But uh, what's y'all's go-to delicacy for at the fair? Well, uh, last week, my wife and I actually got some loaded pulled pork fries, jalapenos, pulled pork, cheese, sour cream, barbecue sauce. Man, so good. Can't go wrong that, with that. Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I myself am a funnel cake guy with a side of a ice cold Teddy Brewski. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I always look forward to that. Both solid choices. Respect. I mean, honestly, there's very few things that I've had at the fair where I'm like, this is awful. I mean, it is awful from a health standpoint and artery, <laughs> artery clogging standpoint, but from a flavor standpoint, hard to go wrong. Yeah, no, 100%. When you're laid up the next day and your your body hates you, you can usually thank fair food for that, but it's fantastic in the moment. Yeah, and it, it never 100%. stops me the next night. <laughs> exactly. It's really the gift that keeps on giving. As the only member of this group approaching their 40s, I can strongly attest to the fact that it keeps on giving, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, you're welcome. I guess we should actually get into the actual meat and potatoes of the podcast and not just talk about our artery artery clogging habits. So, uh, guys, yeah, uh, we were literally talking about the meat and potatoes. Yeah, now let's get into the figurative. <laughs> let's get into the figurative meat and potatoes. So, why don't we? Uh, why don't we, guys? We're in the the full swing. Most teams have got two preseason games in the books. But before we get into our takeaways from that. Around the league, y'all, uh, lots of news. Some unfortunate injuries already, which sucks, but it's unfortunately part of preseason. Uh, and then there's uh, some other stuff. So what's uh, what's some around the league headlines you want to talk about? Jacob, let's start with you. Uh, so there's a couple things. I will say we are pretty fortunate that we haven't had any major – I want to say this delicately. Shout out to Tim Patrick. That was a major one. He's not coming back this year. But there really hasn't been any major injuries so far, knock on wood, to any major players yet. You know, that that's good news, honestly. It, it, it sucks for the guys that are out for the season, but that's good news. The rookie wide receiver for Seattle had surgery today on his wrist, Jackson Smith in Jigba. He's looking at three to four weeks. They think maybe he could be back for the opener, but we'll see. Either way, it's not long-term, and that's really what matters. So that's pretty awesome. Another thing that's kind of happening right now, Josh Jacobs, they said that he was coming back. He actually got on Twitter and said, I did not say that. So I really don't know what's going on there. If he's still holding out, if he's, if he actually is going back to Raiders camp, it, it'll be interesting to see either way. Dude's going to be behind when, when the season starts. So he's not going to have had any time to work with his new quarterback, Jimmy G that's problematic. I mean, I don't think it's going to be nearly as hard for him to pick up as far as, you know, like if he was a wide receiver and they had to get some kind of chemistry on routes down, but it's still going to throw off the offense as a whole, I believe. So that's something to monitor. Yeah, that whole situation yeah. coming coming out of – sorry, Taylor, I want to respond real fast. No, you're okay. That whole situation coming out of Raiders camp is weird that, yeah, he's coming back. Just kidding, I'm not coming back. Who's leaking this information? And then he's got to rebuttal that, right? That's just kind of sketch in general. and. Kind of bad vibes, and it's 
just carries over from the bad vibes of last year. You know, it's just kind of a weird situation. Uh, I do really want to touch on New, uh, New England cornerback Isaiah Bolden, who, you know, they ended up shutting down the game and was carted off. And it was kind of a scary situation, but it turns out he's okay for the most part. I guess it's just a concussion, nothing too serious. You know, definitely, you know, similar to DeMar Hamlin last year. Uh, it was cool that both teams got together and were like, hey, scary situation. This is preseason. It's not worth subjecting anybody else to more trauma or like this is a lot to process as it is so let's go ahead and call it for for today so you know obviously he doesn't have like the the name recognition of some other people but still a scary moment and still awesome that he's you know nothing too serious i think it was a neck strain and a concussion if i'm not mistaken both the uh, matt lafleur and belichick got together and were like hey this is a smart play let's call it as it is and they, they shut the rest of the preseason game down yeah, I was actually going to bring up the Bolden injury. You know, it's scary. You hate to see that. And you got to have preseason games. But I I guess I don't know the best way to go about it. Injuries are going to happen, and you want your players to get some time before the actual season starts. Um, and going back to the Josh Jacobs thing, I guess I'm realizing how powerful of a tool Twitter is because a lot of truths are coming out on there. You got Josh Jacobs and before that, Jonathan Taylor. So. It makes me wonder if some of these organizations aren't leaking some of this information just to kind of keep the fans calmed down and the organization kind of calm. And unfortunately, Jacob yeah, comes out and agree. spoils that for him. So I 100% think, think it's Twitter's kind of turned into a propaganda machine, right? Like, let's get this message out there. Let's make our fans think that we're not totally fumbling the situation. If that's what the team was trying to do with that good on jacobs for being like no this is i'm still drawing this line in the sand and and we're not coming to an accord yet so good on good for him yeah how crazy would it be sorry taylor go ahead no you're right go ahead i was just gonna say how crazy would it be now that the colts have come out and said you know what we're done you know jonathan taylor can go ahead and look for a trade and the raiders are like okay bet we get Taylor, you get Jacobs, and they literally get the exact same player <laughs> at both organizations. How wild would that be? It would It would be funny, but there'd still be a money situation there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what about that sounds like That's the parody of life that would actually happen. That's the NFL is just one giant parody. So that, that tracks right. 100%. Uh, do, Taylor, as far as you Jim, said... Uh... Here we go. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> what about old Jim Irsay? The owner of the Colts, for those that don't know, willing to pay, was it $85 million to move a whale from coast to coast, but he won't pay Jonathan Taylor $20 million? That math doesn't math to me, guys. A whale. A whale that he has no affiliation with. And before you yeah, come at us, we, we're a pro, <laughs> pro wildlife and mammals and whales. I'm all about Shamu. But this is this guy's... Jonathan Taylor directly impacts Jim Irsay's bottom line. It's like, no, I'm not going to pay this dude that makes me hundreds of million dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars annually, conservatively. But I will ship this whale from the east coast to the west west coast. Like, what? Yeah, I guess I ahead, don't know the situation with the whale. I'm sure Irsay was doing it for a very good reason, but it's definitely a slap in the face to Jonathan Taylor. Well, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, if we just stop and think about this for a second, what is the mascot in Indianapolis? Is it a whale? Yeah, I think it is a killer whale. <laughs> no, the answer is not 
an eighty-five million dollar whale. That whale does not sell tickets, dude. The whale does not sail. All right. So, I mean, just to be fair, it's not a Jonathan Taylor either. That's true. You know, I wish I had a really witty comeback about Jonathan Taylor being a horse, but (laughs) (laughs) we're we're not we're not going to go there. Jonathan Taylor is the man. He deserves better. Find a new team, brother. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it'll be hard for him to to find a good team that's that's willing to give him the bag. I actually personally think we'll he ends up in Miami, dude. That would be filthy. That would be disgustingly filthy. Yeah, we'll I mean, see. they got stuff they could trade. Max Taylor, to your to your point, you know, we need preseason games. I would actually argue the opposite. You know, the reason why you see very few starters that have started the last couple of years is you see more and more organizations switch into joint mini camps and they're treating those joint mini camps as the preseason they're getting guys in rhythm that way like i don't think philadelphia starters are going to start a single preseason snap this year it's literally going to be they're using preseason for bubble situations so i could see a world where go ahead no no i was just going to say i i think maybe preseason games was a bad way for me to put that i think that like you said you you got to have some sort of warm-up game and or just to get reps in for you got rookies that have never played in the nfl you know new to the team you got to get them reps and i understand that the preseason is a money thing you know you're getting paid for advertisements and things like that so i mean i agree with you completely i think there's a better way to handle it but the nfl wants to make their money point blank it's that almighty dollar one just i mean just to kind of dabble a little bit on what taylor said a second ago the money thing i know that rookies and i mean it it doesn't have to be a rookie it can be a vet anybody that plays in a preseason game gets a guaranteed salary for that game so i'm not sure they do the same thing for the joint practices i don't i wouldn't imagine that they do i would imagine it's just a, a practice squad minimum but they would have to restructure some kind of deal for the guys if they took the preseason away completely is is just where i was going with that and I don't think they ever will, right? Uh, maybe they condense it to two games, and they just get paid more for that. It's just the the probability of getting hurt in that kind of scenario is significantly higher than joint practices. But there are certain things you need to see, and so I I don't I don't think it's fe- feasible for preseason. I'm gonna walk back what I said a minute ago. I don't think it's pre- uh, feasible to get rid of preseason games altogether because there are uh, undrafted free agents and bubble guys that you need to see in that context to see if they deserve a shot, right? Even if it's just on your practice squad, your practice squad could be your starter three years down the road. You never know. But I do think that they could, for lack of a better word, just condense it down. I think maybe one preseason, two preseason games is a sweet spot. I don't know. I'm not a I'm not an orthopedic surgeon or a coach or anything. I'm just some guy sitting on a chair talking into a, talking into a microphone who is worried about people getting hurt. So here we are. And like you said, you know, Philly, you said probably isn't going to play any of their starters. I mean, that should be on the in the back of the coach's mind as well. You know, I mean, there's a lot of quarterback competition going on right now, so they want to see those guys. But if there's a guy that you know, if if he goes down or something happens to him, and your team, it's going to be detrimental to your team then yeah, I, I probably wouldn't play him in preseason. Well, speaking of preseason, we do have a couple games in the books, and there are a couple key takeaways. For me, my biggest takeaway was, dude, Jordan Love looked good, man. I believe it was 7 for 10, 84 yards, and a tutty. Looks solid. I'm not saying he's the next Aaron Rodgers, but he looked good. Thoughts? What are y'all's takeaways? Well, my boy Sammy Howell looked crazy good yesterday. Is he young? 
Yes. Does he have limited snaps in the NFL? Yes. Is he going to make rookie mistakes? Also, yes. He took two pretty bad sacks in a half of action last night, but he also threw for over 200 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, it is preseason. I'm just really excited to see that kid cook in Washington with Eric Bieniemy as his offensive coordinator. Taylor? Yeah, to touch on both of those things, you got to think that the Packers are really excited to get past the Aaron Rodgers drama and to have a guy like Jordan Love go out there and play well in preseason. You know, it's preseason, but he played well. He looked good. And to touch on the Sam Howell thing, I thought I was watching Baker Mayfield out there for a second. They look like the exact same player. It is crazy. They do look a lot alike. (laughs) They do look a lot alike. But what's really crazy is Howell's three-step drop and Baker's three-step drop are like identical. Throwing motion, very, very similar. I think Howell probably has a stronger arm. I don't know that to be a fact, but I I would just assume it it would be interesting to actually see the side-by-side comparison. Yeah, and like height, weight, the way they roll out, just like I was like, wow. And it was funny because I text Jacob and he's he he loves Sam Howell, which I mean, hey, I wasn't a believer, but man's got potential. To be fair, any quarterback that plays for any team in the NFL presently, Jacob's a fan of starter, backup, (laughs) that's that's fair. Practice squad does not matter. He's like, I saw that guy playing at Utah State and he is my boy. Like that's Jacob's MO. Yeah, if he had a good year at Florida Atlantic, Jacob's a fan. But uh but anyway, I text Jacob and I was like, hey, man, I was like, you're not going to like this take, but Sam Howell looks a lot like dot, dot, dot. And Jacob said Baker Mayfield. And it blew my mind that he thought the exact same thing. <laughs> he's not the only one. I actually I hate to say it, but I thought the same thing. He's, well, he's set but, up for success, uh, though, man. I mean, the wide receiver duo, the wide receiver duo there and their running back. And yeah. the enemy's got a, he's a decent OC, so he's set up for success. Yeah. It was McLaurin went down, and Dotson literally got seven or eight targets in a row. It was crazy, which I think he's going to have a big year for them, John Dotson. Same Z. Agreed. I'm, I'm also anxious to see what happens with Chris Jones. I had an update pop up my phone today that said that he would sit out till week eight, and mm. I, I, don't, I don't like the sound of that. Sit out till week eight. Ooh, yeah. I don't think it'll happen. Don't don't love that. That's a lot of money you're giving up. That's a lot of cheeseburgers that boy can eat between now and then. (laughs) I personally don't think that there's a chance in heck that that happens. Like honestly, chance in hell. Yeah, I don't know. It it sounds good for Chris Jones. Man, if he does that, I just hope he has a way to avoid showing up looking like Chris the Michelin Man Jones. Stop it. Week nine, boys fat. Oh, gosh, that would be horrible for the Chiefs organization. Unless you're an Eagles fan and you're not, you know, you don't want to see them again in the Super Bowl, which Scott is secretly hoping and praying that Chris Jones does not play at all. Actually, I just want to see a big Jags guy. I want to see Philadelphia versus Dougie P and the Jags in the Super Bowl this year. So whatever it takes for that to happen, let's go. It's going to take a lot. Have you seen the AFC? Have you seen Calvin Ridley? Get on my back. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that Jags team, but that AFC is stacked, boy. Very, uh, so silly. Very, very, Yo, very top heavy. Speaking of, I uh, missed the segue here a minute ago, but speaking of uh, Sam Howe looking like Baker Mayfield, 
Did you see that uh, Baker Mayfield was coined the starter over Kyle Trask? Oh, yeah. Jacob loves to hear that. You know, I kind of do in a way because it would be poetic in a way if Baker Mayfield gets a start in Tampa and then in week six or seven, he is unseated by Kyle Trask, just like Baker Mayfield unseated old boy in Cleveland in week seven or eight, you know? So I don't know. I'm actually not upset either way. I like Baker still. I hope he can figure a way out to uh, make it happen. I've seen some film, and Kyle Trask actually looks better in everything that I've seen. But, you know, who am I to, to say that? The, the only difference is uh, Baker Mayfield has that dog in him. And Kyle Trask got dude that knows how to win. <laughs> I don't know, man. I feel like Baker got did dirty in, in uh, Cleveland. Granted, he did himself no favors by coming back too early from that shoulder injury, but he got kind of did dirty there, and he's just been kind of kicked around the league and not given a chance to really acclimate to a new offense. So I'm hoping that, given some time, he's got the weapons down there, he, he bounces back, and we see some sustainability there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Baker does have weapons down there. Mike Evans has had 1,000 yards every year of his career. So I saw that. That's insane. It is insane. The most not talked about superstar in the NFL. Yeah, and it's not like you had Tom Brady for all those years. Nope. No, only a few. And, and he only had Winston. good Tom Brady for one. So. Yeah, and he had Jameis Winston and uh, Fitz Magic down there other than that. And uh, Winston's just as likely to throw 30 interceptions as he is to throw 30 touchdowns. So see what happens there. <laughs> the man had LASIK. He's better now. Yet to be proven, Great. sir. He's uh, great at interviews, too. Love me some Jameis Winston interviews. For the listeners out there, if you have never heard a Jameis Winston interview, go look one up. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, they're everywhere, and they are fantastic. Give that man a mic and step back. It was pain. Pain everywhere. To be fair, the same could be said for uh, Fitzpatrick, man. That man could kill an interview. There's one time playing for Tampa Bay when he and uh, Deshaun Jackson were down there. He took Deshaun Jackson's outfit and came out there looking all just swagged out and like glass sunglasses on and everything. And he's like, yeah, man, I killed it. So I asked Deshaun if I could wear his gear. <laughs> it's excellent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. crazy. Another fun little twist on that was it was only Deshaun Jackson's upper half that he brought out. He was still wearing board shorts in in the interview, <laughs> but he, he had this crazy nice shirt and uh, chain and glasses with that huge beard. Oh, man, fits magic. That dude was crazy. Well, anyway, we spent an hour talking about around the league stuff. You guys ready to move into college football? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. All right. I had somebody tell me the other day that the college football segment was their favorite portion of our show. And I know not everybody's going to feel like that, but I do think it's important that we spend an equal amount of time, especially as the season gets underway, because, you know, we got to do what the listeners want to do. And here's the thing. It's all football to us. So it does not matter whether it's NFL or college. Just going to kind of get into a couple things. We're always, always, always going to hit on the local teams. KU, K-State, OU, Oklahoma State, and we'll probably move into a few more as you know people request them or as the season starts unfolding and, and the conferences continue to merge. A team that I want to talk about kind of early, and I didn't even list them in, this, in that portion just now, is Texas. The last few years, they've had the pretty much undisputed top running back in the nation, 
Scotty B's favorite pick in the NFL right now in fantasy, Mr. B. John Robinson. I don't think anybody can dispute that. Honestly, the man is crazy. He initiates contact and then runs through it. Yards after contact was just insane for that guy. So what happens in the wake of him getting drafted for Texas? A lot of what Texas did over this last few years was force-fed the ball to B. John Robinson. And in a lot of ways, they won games and they lost games because of that schematic, essentially. They have one of the top receivers in the nation in Xavier Worthy, and nobody knows who that is. That's a problem. They have Archie Manning. Would you say he's worthy of being more known? (laughs) 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 Boom, boom. Yeah, I would. I would say that. He is very worthy of being more known. You're a nut, dude. Anyway, (laughs) Archie Manning's down there in Texas now. There's a lot of people that want to see Archie start because obviously you got Eli Manning, who was incredible at Ole Miss. You got Peyton Manning, who was incredible at Tennessee. Is this the third iteration of the Manning being incredible at the D1 level? Could be. Does not sound like he's going to get the keys this year, though. It's Quinn Ewers' team. They're just they're going to spread the ball around more. They've got some really big athletic tight ends. They've got Xavier Worthy, who I already mentioned. They have a freshman running back who is good, but he's not B. John Robinson. There is a lot, a lot of opportunity down there in Texas, and I think they're actually going to be better without B. John Robinson this year. And that, you know, that's a take a lot of people are probably going to hate, but I'm excited to see it unfold. What do you think, guys? I agree with a lot of that. I, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers got hurt early last year against, wasn't it Alabama? They were playing real close. And Quinn Ewers was, and correct me if I'm wrong, a top three quarterback out of high school, went to Ohio State, transferred to Texas. and Yeah, collarbone. I mean, I thought he showed glimpses last year. So as much as I want to see Arch Manning as well, or Archie Manning as well, you know, I think Quinn Ewers has to be given a fair shot. And I, I think that Texas team could do big things this year. Yeah, and I think yeah, Scott, Archie Manning, think? he may... I think he may ball out, um, but I never think it's a bad idea to give a guy at least a year to acclimate to the next level, right, speed-wise. And I definitely think that there's something to the fact, like you mentioned last year, you've got somebody who's so good in Bijan Robinson that it kind of, I don't want to say hampers the offense, but you become so dependent on it that it doesn't allow you to become two-dimensional, right? So expanding upon that, especially consider, considering uh, who's the, the freshman they've got coming in, who looks really solid at running back. Uh, his last name is Baxter. I would have to go look at his first name, but Baxter's the kid. So if you've got a solid solid guy coming in, maybe not Bijan, but 80% of what Bijan can do, and then you've got an awesome aerial attack, every offense will be better if you're two-dimensional. Two I mean, that's just facts. Hashtag science or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> so if you've got the ability to become two-dimensional, then you're going to be a better offense. And uh, yeah, I think you've got to give Ewing another year. And let... let uh, Archie Manning sit. He's not going to get any. He's not going anywhere. So give him a year to develop. Year to develop. And yeah. and when he's playing next year, it'll be in the SEC. So that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. And you know, to touch on something Taylor said in the beginning, Quinn Ewers did get hurt early last year, and it was in an Alabama game that he was absolutely lighting them boys up. I mean, dicing up that Alabama defense. And we've already seen in preseason that Will Anderson, who plays defensive end defensive end for Houston right now. Number two overall pick, I believe. Top ten anyway. Number three overall pick. There it is. Out of Alabama. 
and Stunned. they couldn't touch him. Yeah, I mean, so Quinn Ewers was absolutely lighting it up last year early on. Breaks his collarbone. He's out like 10 weeks or something. Comes back. His throwing motion isn't the same. You know, if if that injury was hampering him at all to the end, towards the end of the year, you know, maybe, maybe he is back to elite form this year. It'll be interesting to see. But we know for a fact that Archie Manning is coming in guns blazing. So we'll see. We'll see if they keep him on the shelf for a year. I think it's smart. But we'll see what happens. Well, by, two by things. Way, it, go ahead. Well, as I say, two things. You know, you got the Manning name as well. So that's good for the team of Texas. But also, Quinn Ewers had that gnarly mullet last year, and it's gone. He's all business this year. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see it. Business in the front, business in the back. Man, so I, I would have said start Ewers until I found that out. You can't be the starting quarterback in Texas without a mullet. That's not that's not gonna fly. Come on now. You think you think Arch will grow his out? He better. Yeah. Absolutely not. No. Archie Manning looks like a country club kid. I mean that that dude probably wears press slacks, nice button up shirt everywhere he goes. He can't pull the. He mullet. brought up a. He brought up Roth IRAs uh, unprompted in the last presser he did. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, scott that was funny <laughs> i no, i will anyway that, that was my first that, team so one one thing oh, yeah. texas bama game I, I can't remember if it was the end of the first half or the towards the end of the fourth quarter i think it was the closing part of the first half and texas drove down to like the four the three and they opted to kick a field goal at half before halftime instead of go for it and it's like, bro, this is your Super Bowl. You you go for that six points, man. Like, and this is college. Field goals are not guaranteed, no matter where you're out in the field. And then they missed the field goal instead. Of, so instead of like taking the lead, they didn't get any points at all. And I just thought that was a huge coaching, just faux pas. Like, oh yeah, you get you oh, better yeah. go into this. Mm. Oh yeah, that that was my one take on Texas. Um, kind of reminds anyway. me of another time. Kind of reminds me of another time whenever a team had just an absolutely elite running back and they're on the two in the Super Bowl and they elected to pass. You, does anybody else remember that? I'm going to guess you should have given it to yeah, Marshall Lynch. Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, they really fumbled that yeah. deal. Shout out to my and, man Pete and, Carroll. I was to say, everybody thought that except for Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. That's right. Even, I don't know if you guys have seen the, there was a clip on Twitter the other day and it was a Bill Belichick interview about that Super Bowl game, specifically that play. And Seattle had a timeout, and the Patriots had a timeout. And Bill was not going to call it. He did not care if he had to rush guys onto the field. He didn't care. Like He was not going to call the timeout because he wanted Seattle to show their hand. And it pans to a different assistant coach that says, we practiced this play this week specifically for this scenario, and it was the exact play that we game plan for. So they ran their personnel in there. It was McCourty, wasn't it, that picked it off? Devin McCourty? Correct. Yeah. Yep. yep. So McCourty picks it off. He runs the sideline. He was like, I can't believe they threw it. We game plan for that. We practiced that. Mm -hmm. And it, it was. It's a fantastic video. You guys need to watch it. So follow-up question, um, why do y'all think that uh, Belichick and team knew to game plan for that? Was it because they videotaped <laughs> some Seattle oh. training sessions? <laughs> Ooh. 
I'm gonna let Taylor have this. That's one. a good point. Hey, n- no comment. I'm not diving into that. Yeah, that's pretty wild though. Uh, the fact that they game plan for that and whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it is but pretty yeah, wild. Just, it. You know, I I hadn't actually thought about the. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that twist. I was such a Bill Belichick truther until you said that just now. I mean, not like forever, but like after I watched that video, I was like, wow, there's a reason this guy is one of the greatest coaches to ever do it. And, you know, Scott, that's a different that's a different view on it that I wouldn't have had unless you said that. So, you know, what's funny <laughs> is that the 2017 Super Bowl, Philly actually during their walkthrough beforehand, they actually walked through fake plays, like a bunch of fake plays, just in case that uh, New England was watching. They're like, hmm, they can get some of these non-actual plays. In <laughs> yeah. Which is I, kind of, dude, Dougie P is brilliant, man. He's he's so underrated, it's stupid. We uh, we got really far off base with this, but while we're here, right, I watched a, I don't know if you guys watched New Heights with Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey, but they had um, Julian Edelman on there here three weeks ago or something a month ago and they were talking about the Patriots Eagles Super Bowl and Julian Edelman said the post that he threw to Philip Dorsett on the touchdown was not the play that he was supposed to run it was a wide receiver halfback screen so Julian Edelman catches it out in the flat turns his hips fires back across the field to Probably LeGarrette Blunt or somebody at that point, whoever the running back was in. James White, probably, actually. And, uh, I was going to say, Blunt, Blunt was paying for Philly at that point. Just was to be clear. He? Okay, so it was definitely James White. So James White is supposed to catch the ball, you know, run for 30 and a touchdown or whatever. And Edelman said that in the hotel the night before, Josh McDaniels and the offense are sitting there going over their plays, and they had a little Nerf football they were just throwing around. They flip it out to Edelman at the hotel, and Edelman was like, yo, Philly, I'm going to hit you on this post. And Josh McDaniels said, do not, under any circumstances, do that in the game tomorrow. What did he do? He threw the post. They scored on it. Touchdown. I mean, just just an awesome story. Just stuff like that really gets me gets me going, man. That is pretty cool. I, yeah, I enjoy that stuff, too. Like, to where it's like how this stuff came to be, right? Or, like, the Philly special, like, how it just, like... Nick Foles is like, Philly, Philly? And they're like, F it, let's do it, let's go. <laughs> for some reason, I feel like that's like the one anyway, coaching staff I wouldn't want to undermine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sorry, we got a little side ra- sidetrack there. Taylor, what's that? Oh, nothing. I was just going to say that that's, that seems like that's the one coaching staff that I like wouldn't want to undermine and, and do the exact thing that they told me not to do. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> he actually said in the interview, he was like, Man, look, I knew that if I turned my hips, I was getting absolutely annihilated. He said the only thing I could do was let it fly. <laughs> he said Dorsett caught it, got knocked out, did not play another down in the game, but he held on to it, and it counted. <laughs> Wild. So, all right, well, I'm going to bring in a little more local here and not a little less burnt orange and more crimson and cream. Dude, I want to talk about OU. So let's just be honest. Last year was a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> disappointment. I think everyone who listens to this and is on this can attest to that. So quick hitters. The OU defense last year was 106th against the rush, 119th against the pass, and 122nd overall in all of FBS out of 131 teams. It's uh, it's not great, especially for a guy Brent Venables, who's known for being like one of the best defensive-minded coaches in all of college football but that's okay we're allowed to have down years right 
But guys, I am so juiced for this season. Let me tell you why. First and foremost, some of the recruits they brought on board, two two different five-star recruits, and I apologize in advance if I dis- if I mispronounce this, but PJ Adibawar, actually I think it's how it's pronounced. This guy is an athletic freak, and man, I was watching some film on him. He's 6'4", 241 pounds as a freshman coming out of Kansas City, and geez louise, man, he's got everything he's got speed he's got power he's smart enough to contain the edge and holy cannoli even like he he looks like he's like he looks like he's will anderson playing against like fifth graders (laughs) like have you ever seen that like that that uh (laughs) video of like derrick henry's like playing against like uh like elementary kids it's not really them but it's like what it looks like and this was this dude he was just a, a freak um, just blowing dudes off the line. The offensive line had no answer for him. So absolute just monster. Five-star recruit coming out of Kansas. He's going to get you know reps early and often. And he's going to make an impact really, really early. Uh, and then another dude, Peyton Bowen, a safety five-star recruit. Also an athletic freak. Really excited about him. Uh, and then you'll like this, Jacob. Transfer portal. So we had, uh, I think, five out of six of our defensive transfers. Sorry for tapping on the table there. But uh, five out of six of our defensive transfers are on the D-line. And one of them, Rondell Bothroyd, uh, coming out of our Wake Forest. Let me tell you about this guy last last year. Dude had 13 sacks, 24 and a half tackles for a loss. That's nuts. That's nuts. So, yeah, was, was 122nd overall defense last year. Pretty abysmal. Absolutely. But, I mean, Venables has got some of his guys coming in. He's got some recruits that are here to play some smash-mouth football. And you're definitely, even if even if there's some regression to the meme, to the meme, to the mean as far as, like, being terrible to decent, that's going to happen. But I think the pendulum actually has the ability to swing the other way. And you actually see a cognitive, competent defense that can wreak havoc on a lot of teams locally. You know, and then... uh Dylan Gabriel is coming back. He looked pretty strong last year. The The offensive rushing attack was 10th overall last year. So the offense can put up points. The wide receiver room has some question marks. But as long as that defense is competent at all, I'm excited about it. Yeah, dude. It's. I mean, here's the thing. They're coming off their first season under Brent Venables. He, who must not be named, left to go to California and took the entire coaching staff and all the recruits that he had coming in with him. So, yeah, I mean, as an Oklahoma State fan, I'll be honest, it was really cool to see OU suck last year, and then they still beat us in Bedlam. So I guess that's just karma for my life. They also got Trace Ford in the transfer portal this year, which yet another reason for me to be really sad. Anyway, Oklahoma, yeah, they had a down year last year. They're going to be fine. I think the SEC is going to be harder for them to walk through you know, because they've kind of ran through the Big 12 for a lot of years in a row now. But we'll see what happens. Taylor, what do you think? Yeah, I, uh, one thing about college football that I've never really liked is just that the same teams win the conference every single year, right? There's never really a changing of the guard. But it was unfortunate to see Oklahoma. And for the listeners out there, Jacob was talking about Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma and going to USC. Um, it is nice to see OU kind of get back on track and uh, bring some guys in and and have some sort of hope for this upcoming season because it was it was rough 
with the exception of TCUs, it was kind of rough for the whole Big 12 last year, especially after Ewers went down and it was kind of wide open, but I, I was shocked by TCU. But it was fun to watch them play in a natty, even though they got absolutely hammered. But as a Big 12 fan, I want success for that conference. So it's nice to see kind of OU get back on their feet and get some recruits and, and have some hope for this year. Can we just appreciate the fact that Lincoln Riley was like, I don't want to join the SEC. I'm going to go out here to the Pac-12 where I can have this nice cushy job and make all this money and hang out on the freaking California coast. And then the Pac-12 the Pac gets dismantled like a year later. He's going to be like, oh, no, I've got to join a big boy conference again. This is unfortunate. Uh. Yeah. More importantly, <laughs> which, he's got to go play in the snow. <laughs> which, you, I mean, I imagine he had something to do with OU going to the SEC. So it's all weird to me. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he probably absolutely had something to go, something to do with OU going to the SEC. OU going to the SEC is probably really good for them as a school. Honestly, they're gonna be at, they're gonna they're gonna be on more nationally televised games, and just the monetary uh, involvement they're gonna get from that is gonna be really good. So. I don't really have a knock for OU or Texas going to the SEC. I mean, it's the same thing as Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City and going to L.A. I mean, it's better for his brand. It's better for a lot of reasons, and then he ended up getting three rings out of it. I'm not saying OU or Texas is winning a national championship or an SEC championship anytime soon, but just as far as the school goes, it's better for the school. may not be better for the athletes, but it's better for the school. And the competition and the measuring stick, right? You're, you're comparing yourself, no shade on the Big 12 at all, but the SEC has dominated college football for a long, long time, right? So I think OU considers themselves to be at a certain pedigree uh, or echelon to where they think they can hang with everyone in the SEC. They think they're in that same tier. And this is it's much easier to measure that year in and year out. Typically, you know, they dominate the Big 12 and then they go to the national championship or the or the playoff and then they just get crushed. So I think week in and week out, it'll be a much more, uh, much better indicator, if that makes sense. Yeah, kind of I think there's, yeah, I think they're still a ways away from being super dominant in the SEC or, I mean, I think they'll compete, but I think that, like you said, they're, they're wanting to prove it for themselves and their fans and everything like that as a program, but we've we've seen it we see when they go to the national championship and play alabama and georgia and all these teams so it'll be it'll be nice to see when they start getting some of these other recruits i'd love to see him compete i'd love to see him be in alabama or uh, georgia or florida state back in the day or miami the u but i think there are ways from it I I'll push back on that. I think uh, I give it. I think we're going to see a, a a corner turn this year, and I think that that's going to lead to you know being in the SEC and having Brent Venables and and the reputation we do have. We've historically, especially you know ever since Bob Stoops been there, we've uh, recruited really well, especially in the offensive side of the ball. But I think Venables is going to give us the opportunity to recruit really well on the defensive side of the ball. And so I would not be shocked if in the next three years we're not putting that together to where you're seeing a historically good. OU defense paired with a really good OU offense. And I, I could see us being like tremendous powerhouse contenders in the next two to two to four years. So yeah. tremendous powerhouse contenders as compared to Alabama and Georgia, or tremendous powerhouse contenders as compared to Clemson or Utah. 
I think that we've been in the we've been in the the Utah Clemson category for a hot minute, but I think the Boomer Sooner fans think that we've been in the 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 Bama Georgia tier for a second. But I think that this transition to the SEC, Brent Venables, and the transformation that's going to occur both offensive and defensively, especially defensively, is going to get us over the hump to where we actually be year in and year out contenders for that number one overall seed. To where you know it's no longer going to be just Bama and Georgia. It'll be Bama, Georgia, and OU. Is that going to happen tomorrow? No. Three to four years from now? Absolutely. That's a strong take. I'm here for it. That's a strong take. There's a lot of teams down there in the SEC that are pretty freaking salty, bud. Fair enough. We're uh, we're not going anywhere. That's true. That is true. OU football will live on. Taylor, got any? You want to dive into? You want to dive into any teams specifically? Well, yeah. Um, we can kind of circle back to the Big Twelve. But I want to talk about the team out of Ann Arbor and Michigan, my pick to win the national championship this year, actually, um, the Michigan Wolverines. I think that they are built. They were very good last year, obviously. I think they lacked the deep ball on offense and the big play. But they, up until kind of the nat- up until uh, the college football playoff, they really didn't give up a whole lot of big plays either. They dominate the line of scrimmage. They have, they're one of the few teams, the Bamas, Georgias, Ohio State. They have their quarterback returning, J.J. McCarthy. They have Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards coming back. They're one-two punch at running back who were dominant last year. And, you know, they got two linebackers coming back that were very good for them last year. Junior Colson and Michael Barrett and... You got the whole Jim Harbaugh thing where he's suspended, what, the first three games of the year. I, I don't know if that whole thing's sorted out yet, but, I mean, if it's just the first three games of the year they play Eastern Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green, I wouldn't worry too much about that affecting them. But I, I do think that this team, if they can, if they can, if J.J. McCarthy can find weapons down the field, that can make big plays and open up their run game because their run game is dominant. But if they can open up the run game, I I really like Michigan's chances this year. First of all, don't you count out East Carolina, all right? That is a perennial <laughs> powerhouse. And especially don't yeah, count well, out Bowling Green. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in basketball or something. In all fairness, East Eastern Carolina has scored a lot of points in this last few years. Holt Naylor's is in the the NFL now, though. They're they're seven years starting quarterback. He finally got drafted. So anyway, you know maybe they don't score as many points now. But no, Taylor, I 100 percent agree with you. I think uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards are going to be unreal. Really, Blake Corum was unreal last year until he got hurt. If they if Blake Corum is playing in the TCU game, I think there's a good chance that we see something different happen there. I think. Probably the most important thing you touched on, though, is that they have their entire core returning defensively, offensively. There's really not anything that is that much different um, about that Michigan team. They are going to have to weather the storm with Harbaugh, you know, whatever happens there, whether it's three games. I thought I actually saw six um, yesterday, but could be completely wrong. Again, like we talked about earlier. Twitter seems to hold some some real mysteries for us as far as what is real and what is not. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think the biggest comparison is like Ohio State. You know, they got a new starting quarterback. Georgia, they got a new starting quarterback. Bama, they got a new starting quarterback. Michigan don't, just like you said. So they they definitely deserve their 
you know, flower, so to speak, as as one of the top teams in the nation. So I will absolutely level with you on that. Scott? Yeah, I mean, same. And I'm a hardball truther. I mean, they, they both know how to coach, whether it's pro or college level. Um, and, dude, the Michigan Michigan program has been elite the last, you know, five years. So I agree. And uh, there's something to be said about continuity for sure. Yeah. But while we're talking about, you know, one of the top teams in the country in Michigan, let's talk about another one in USC. Now we can talk about Lincoln Riley because <laughs> honestly, dude, Caleb Williams, I mean, it, he's the number one overall pick this year. Dog. Facts. Absolute dog. You know, I remember his first start at Oklahoma. I was playing in a golf tournament, and my dad, who is a massive, massive OU fan, shout out to Tom, text me, and he said something along the lines of, this Caleb Williams kid is Mahomes-esque, flicking the ball 60 yards downfield, on the run, off the hop. You know, it's it's would, just... Would you go as far as to say as Tom's the first person to ever make that comparison? Not even, maybe. But... You know, he's the first person I ever heard make that comparison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, I, it, I don't. I don't went right along with it. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe we'll edit this part out. My dad was always right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's really important that people kind of know and understand. We talked about just a little bit earlier that Lincoln Riley literally took every aspect of OU and took it to USC. I mean, his assistant coaches, his coordinators, the athletes that were already there for the most part. I, I think the the ratio was like 68% of the team that he had at Oklahoma is now at USC. I mean, it, it was a massive number. And most importantly, Caleb Williams already has chemistry with all those guys, right? So you got Mario Williams, who is a field stretcher. I mean, he's tall, he's fast, make plays at the boundary. He was a freshman with Caleb Williams at the University of Oklahoma. And his second year, guess what? Sophomore, USC. Now this will be their third year playing together. The guy's going to light the world on fire. Jordan Addison got drafted. People think that that's going to make a huge difference. No, it's not. I'm here to tell you, Mario Williams is going to step right into that role. Brendan Rice. Anybody know anything about Brendan Rice? Is he related to Jerry? He is related to Jerry. Fun fact. Brendan Rice played at Colorado and was absolutely horrible. I was reading about this USC team last year, and it was literally USC had every possible tool a year ago today that they needed to be just world contender juggernauts in football. And I'm reading about this Brendan Rice kid who has no pedigree, has no like, he did absolutely nothing in his two years in Colorado, and he's the only one that doesn't fit. Right, you got Travis Dye, who was there last year. Oregon set records, transferred within his own conference to USC. You got Jordan Addison, who set records at Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. You got Mario Williams, who played with Caleb Williams, and then you got this random Brendan Rice dude. And then I figured out that he's Jerry Rice's son, and it all made sense. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's the infinity gauntlet of college football. Uh, it just it doesn't make any sense. What do you guys think? For those who don't know, uh, Jerry Rice was uh, a wide receiver for the 49ers, and he was pretty good. Like, I would say slightly above average. 
Yeah, slightly. <laughs> I think he's widely considered uh, the top receiver of all time. No, the hands goat, down. Yeah, for, you, must clarify, say, I don't want people if, coming at me. Yeah. Sarcasm. Yeah. The guy is the greatest wide receiver ever. Ever. Yeah. Look look up most uh, wide receiver records, and you'll see his name on there. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think USC is going to be very good. Um, I was I was kind of looking at them earlier and uh, happened to look at their games last year. And, man, if Utah wasn't in that conference, they'd have been in the college football playoff. So I'm, I'm in, anxious to see that game. But I, I think that USC, I mean, Caleb Williams is, if he takes a step at all and wins his second Heisman, you know, it, that team is going to be dangerous as the year goes on. Scott, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to think about, and I don't know. Maybe it's happened recently, and I just don't remember. But when was the last time somebody won the Heisman and then played another college season afterwards? Has that happened recently? I don't think it has. I don't know on that. I thought you were going to ask when's the last time somebody won two Heismans, and I actually heard it earlier, and it's it's been a while. I'm pretty sure it was like the 90s. Yeah. Who was it? Wish I could tell you. I knew you were going to ask that, Scott. You can't drop that. You can't be like, I heard it earlier, and then I don't know. Um, so no, I, I will I say, just think that. Go ahead. I was going to say, I will say that, yes, Caleb Williams has been lighting the world on fire when we'll probably have a stellar season and go number one overall this year. But, man, a lot can change in a season. If you recall, I think two years ago, it was 2021 that Spencer Rattler, the OU quarterback, was largely considered to be the Heisman front runner, And then he just like totally messed the bed and got benched in favor of Caleb Williams and then transferred to South Carolina. So will Caleb Williams probably win the Heisman this year and ball out? Absolutely. Do we- Does weird stuff happen? Yeah, absolutely. Also, you never know. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I absolutely don't uh, disagree with that. I'm glad you brought up Spencer Rattler because dude is freaking killing the game in South Carolina. He ended the season last year as one of the most efficient quarterbacks in college football. If you'll remember, he knocked off Tennessee, who was widely considered a uh, college football playoff favorite. So, yeah, I mean, Spencer Rattler. I don't. I don't even know how he did what he did with that South Carolina team at the end of the I season. I totally agree, year, so. but he looked like. He looked pretty terrible for OU that when the year he got benched. Yeah. Like he was just—I don't know if he was just feeling himself too much or or what the situation yeah. was. But his game completely transformed from awesome to terrible to awesome again. Or yeah. sometimes oh, people yeah. have off years. So you know, I had to look it up, Scott. And actually, there's only one player to ever do it, and it was—I was way off. Okay, so. Don't I mean this, this is going to happen a lot on this pod, but it was 1974 and in 1975, and it was Archie Griffin. Wow. Okay. So, wow. Thanks for so, doing yeah, the research. Just, just yeah, just just a little uh, trivia for everyone out there. Archie, Archie Griffin, Griffin and, and, the official and if player. You ever need a phone now. a friend? Don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that, Taylor. Because it's 100%. just going to be that much crazier when Caleb Williams does it this year. Yeah, crazy to think about. It's been that long, and only one other player has done it. Which I think there's probably a lot of, uh, not a lot of opportunity because generally speaking, when a guy wins the Heisman, he gets drafted. You know what I mean? Well, the person that comes to mind with me, and I could be wrong on this, but didn't Manziel go to the ceremony twice? 
either lost it and then won it or won it and then lost it. I could be wrong on that. But I, think I thought he Manziel was... It seems to me like Manziel won it his last year, but was that the year that Baker won it? It could have been. I I really don't remember. It just seemed like he was nominated twice. Yeah, I I don't I don't remember for sure. You you probably are right though. We'll have an uh, an addendum in the next episode, and we'll go over like the last five years of <laughs> of, <laughs> of uh, Heisman winners. So real quick, I know a guy that can tell you every uh, college basketball national champion uh, of like the last 30 years and every Heisman candidate or Heisman winner for the last 30 years as well. Uh, it's one of Austin Ryan's best friends. Shout out Austin. His name's Connor and he is like more of a sports nerd than I am. It's pretty incredible actually. So shout out to Connor too, actually. I'd love to have him on, have him on the pod sometime. We should. That'd be a lot of fun. It's pretty crazy what he can do. So, so you guys, guys want to hear? Move on so so, so J- Jacob, do you want to actually touch on just real quickly, just some other Big Twelve teams, real quick, just for some local listeners? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So I think most uh, importantly, probably for this area, is going to be the K State Wildcats and maybe the KU Jayhawks. But I'm thinking there you K-K go. Man. <laughs> no, it's crazy to to kind of look at the roster shakeup this year. You know, K State. They absolutely have to have Will Howard stay healthy all year long. If Will Howard doesn't stay healthy, they're going to have troubles. What I love about K-State is the fact that they're coached really well. They are a really solid, disciplined team. And you can never go to Manhattan, or they can never come to your house, and you just expect it to be a an easy win. K-State will come. They will knock you in the mouth every single time you play them. So, yeah, it, it's exciting. You know, they lost Deuce Vaughn this year to the NFL. Deuce has been lighting it up in preseason. I'm super excited to see that kid play uh, at the professional level. That being said, that's a ton of touches available for somebody in Manhattan. They got a transfer out of Florida State. His name is Treshawn Ward. Dude was a dog down there, down south. It'll be interesting to see whether him or DJ Giddens get the job. Some people will remember Giddens was probably three times the size of Deuce Vaughn last year and did really well whenever Deuce needed a needed a spell. So, uh, you know, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Maybe they do a one-two punch kind of thing with Giddens being the between the tackles guy. You know, first, second, third down, or first and second down. I mean, and then Treshawn Ward being the small, shifty gadget guy on third down. So we'll see what happens there. Philip Brooks coming back for his senior season at K State. Dude was great down the stretch last year. Helped them win a Big 12 championship. They actually got a transfer out of Iowa, uh, Keegan Johnson. There's a lot of good talk around him right now as, as to being one of the guys that could be a, a Malik Knowles type, you know, all-purpose guy that can stretch the field and, and do a lot of things for him. So excited to see K-State. You know, defensively, they're going to be solid. They're coached really well, like I said. It just really all depends on the quarterback position for them. So we'll see what happens there. KU, man, I'm telling y'all right now, Jaden Daniels, there's just a, a little whisper of Heisman potential behind this guy. I don't know if anybody saw, uh, if you guys specifically or any of the listeners saw very many KU games last year, but Jaden Daniels is absolutely electric. He can run, he can gun, his weapons are you know minimal, 
as far as receivers goes, I mean, it's kind of just whatever's in the bag that day. You know, I mean, there's he's got Trevor Wilson, um, who lines up on the outside fast, big, tall. I think he was a three-star recruit. The only other player to speak of in that offense is Devin Neal. And I don't like talking about Devin Neal because he ran for like 300 yards against Oklahoma State last year. And it really hurt my feelings. So for all UKU fans out there, you protect Devin Neal at all costs because he's really about all you got along with Jaden Daniels. There's a quick breakdown on the on the KU and K-State squads. Oklahoma State, just real quick, you know, prepare yourselves, Oklahoma State fans. This is probably going to be another down year for us. I hope not. I really hope not. But I I do not have a lot of high hopes, and I hope we can look back on the end of this season and say, man, Jacob was horribly, horribly wrong. And I'll be happy to celebrate that with you. But as it stands today, it's really not looking good for us, guys. So. Say your prayers every night before you go to bed. Gundy can revive the program. Go Pokes. That was, <laughs> that was pistols for Pistol Pete. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You guys got anything to add on that, on any of those teams? No, man. Nice solid rundown. I appreciate Thanks. it. I'm, I'll defer to you, the expert. I'll was, I say was you pretty well hit it. I will say that uh, if anything ever happens to Devin Neal – guess you can always put Jason Bean in the backfield because speaking of running and gunning, that guy likes to get after it. Backup quarterback for KU. Hey, dude. He didn't get the nickname Crack Mahomes for nothing. (laughs) 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 For the folks out there, if you guys don't know who who Mr. Jason Bean is, you need to go look at a picture of him because he kind of looks like a less fortunate Patrick Mahomes, hence the name Crack Mahomes. That's why that's funny. Go check it out. Why don't we forego some fantasy talk a little this week and bounce around the uh, sports world for a second. And then, uh, yeah, wrap it up. We say, you guys good with that? Sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do it. So let's, uh, let's go to the baseball world for a second. I don't know if anybody really follows the MLB um, as much or, you know, probably not as much as I do, to be honest with you. And I've kind of slacked off here lately, but the Seattle Mariners right now, I did want to just touch on it real quick. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, if you don't know who Julio Rodriguez is, he's essentially this generation's, um, this generation isn't the right way to say that. Ronald Acuna Jr., who is the face of the Braves, is essentially what Julio Rodriguez is for Seattle. This is his second year. Last year was his rookie year. Dude is incredible. If you don't know who either one of those guys are, you probably don't really follow baseball, and I get it. How about Aaron Judge, Mike Trout? Those are better comparisons. Both faces of the franchise, both incredible. Here's what Julio Rodriguez has done this week. He missed the game today, but prior to missing the game today, he had four games, right? 18 hits in four games. That is downright disgusting matter of fact it's pretty much unheard of it's a historic streak but not only is he getting hits let me let me give you some more stats here he has two home runs he has one walk he has six stolen bases he has 12 rbis and seven runs total out of all of that man is on a mission yes man is on an absolute mission The Angels are pulling out all stops. They just actually, I don't have this stat in front of me, but they called up 
a rookie that they drafted only a month and a half ago, which is unheard of. I mean, generally speaking, a guy will play in the uh, minors of some variation, whether it's double A, triple A, whatever, for sometimes multiple years before he ever gets an opportunity uh, playing in the majors. And they called this dude up a month and a half after getting drafted. So, no, it's it's crazy. The baseball playoffs are really starting to heat up. Not to the playoffs yet, but the race to the playoffs, I guess I'll say. You know, there's a lot of teams really, really giving everything they got. I think this year, Baltimore Orioles are winning the World Series. That is a bold That's gonna take. That's going to be a hated take. That's going to be a hated take. A lot of people are going to say, oh, my gosh, not the Yankees, not the Dodgers, not a big not a big name club with a bunch of money. No, it's the Baltimore Orioles. You heard it here first. All right, hot takes. I like it. So uh, my non-football uh, topic is, I mean, can we talk about Messi playing down in Miami? Holy cow. Holy crap. Like the What he's done down there is unprecedented. So for those who don't know, it's football or soccer for us here in the States. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, Messi joining Intra-Miami means killing it, man. Um, in the last seven games, he's scored 10 goals. That's unheard of. And what he's done for records or for um, things outside of actually like playing the game, uh, Apple's subscription service, which offers like, you know, MLS, like all, uh, what is it? MLS Sunday ticket, essentially season pass, excuse me, uh, has more. The subscribers base for Apple has doubled since Messi's joined uh, Miami. Ticket sales, resale tickets for games he's going to he's playing in. The resale price has jumped seventeen hundred percent. That's one comma seven zero zero percent. And most oh my recently, gosh. right? And most recently in Philadelphia, standing room only tickets were on were selling for two hundred forty one dollars a piece, and then field level seats were selling for sixteen thousand two hundred dollars a piece. That's un, that's insane. Sixth, oh my gosh! Check this out. Enter Miami's Instagram account has grown to over 14 million followers, more than any team in the NFL, NHL, and MLB. That's that's wild. And those stats wow. are pulled from uh, yeah. Those stats are pulled from uh, Morning Brew, by the way. So hat tip to them. But no, what what he's done for soccer in the United States is unprecedented. Like even whenever uh, Beckham came over, like and got that massive, massive contract 20 years ago. Like nothing compares to what he's done, and it's electric. You know, like ten goals in seven seven games, absolutely electric. Yeah, you know, completely. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what other players are going to kind of follow suit and come over and play. I'd love to see the MLS really grow. It'll be tough, man. The Saudis are dumping all sorts of money into to every asset they've got, right? So, like, Live just recently combined with the PGA, and then what uh, Ronaldo and um, I think a handful of other players players also joined the, the Saudi leagues down there, or Saudi teams, excuse me. So it, it's going to be interesting to see where some of these all star players end up. You know, leaving uh, their traditional teams and and you know, money talks, but we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Taylor, what you got, brother? Something I'm looking forward to is the PGA Tour Championship this weekend. You know, who, you guys got any favorites in? In the tournament, or thoughts on that? Rory. Rory, dude, yeah, he's 
he's kind of going crazy right now. He's getting real hot at the right time. Absolutely. I think he's, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he starts at three under this week. Is that right? Isn't that how the points work? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure, to be honest. Can't can't tell you on that. I'm looking forward to seeing our boy Victor Hovland, though. Oh, Vicky. Yeah, Victor Hovland. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm love playing golf. Enjoy watching golf. Don't get to golf as much as I as I want to, but it's it's fun. I I used to not enjoy watching golf, and I respect it a lot more now that I play it. Seeing right. what they do out there, it's pretty pretty gnarly. But yeah, yeah it's, it's actually I mean, that's, that's really all I got. It's a, it's actually really sad how different it is. You know, everybody hates on watching golf, but that's how you can immediately tell that those people don't play golf. Yeah. Because yeah. when you see them do things that you wish you could do, it's like, hey, man, I could watch that all day. I might learn something even. Yeah. If if I go out there and hit one good shot, I'm like, all right, I'll be back. They go out there and hit one bad shot, and they d- don't quit thinking about it till the next tournament. Yeah, forever. You definitely don't respect the difficulty of it unless you've played a couple rounds, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, one more non-football thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but the women's national team head coach resigned. That was not a not a great showing at the at the women's World Cup for the for the good guys or the good gals, the USA. And more importantly, I saw that there was a I'm not going to call it a petition, but a strong following for people that wanted Carly Lloyd to take that job. You know, she retired from playing the game this last year and she was actually on the the analyst desk uh, for the world cup. She had some real strong comments about energy and, and kind of, you know, what was happening with the girls squad. And she actually uh, openly responded and said, I do not have the qualifications to be the world cup coach. So like she didn't she didn't even feed that at all. She just straight up point blank. I can't do that. I respect, respect that. But I can't do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I love when people like openly just address the hell out of that, you know, like, listen, thank you, but I'm not the right person for that. Well, wasn't it a big issue? Was it last year in Indianapolis when they had Jeff Saturday come coach? You know, <laughs> yeah. kind of kind of the same deal. Maybe maybe he should kind of been Said the said the same thing. So yeah, Jim Irsay, hey, man, dude. <laughs> he's, he's he's Jim Irsay is going to do what Irsay wants to do. Right? You want to bring in a little league yeah, football we're, coach? We're, we're finding that out. Straight up, here's the thing: I forgot that they hired a guy whose last name is Saturday to coach football on Sundays, and I don't know why <laughs> they thought that was a good idea. Like yeah, it was in yeah, his name, but it was not going to work out. Yep. Riddled with bad decisions, all of them. Chris Ballard, they're like, let's bring in Philip Rivers to save our franchise. Let's bring in Carson Wentz to save our franchise. Like, just how many bad decisions can we yeah. make? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, that's over now. Scotty, I don't know. You know, Scotty knows all about that Carson Wentz train, but it just it just makes so much more sense now with all the Jonathan Taylor stuff and you know Jim Irsay doing whatever the heck Jim Irsay wants to do. I forgot about that Saturday thing, Taylor. That thanks for bringing that up. It it just really puts it in perspective. Oh, yeah. Guy's an idiot. Yep. Hey, you said it. <laughs> All right. On that note, no more talking about Irsay or the Colts. I'm done with that. Let's go and let's go ahead and call it. <laughs> yeah, you bet. 
Hey guys, we appreciate everybody sticking with us again. Again, sorry for the delay. You know, we wanted to get on here last week and crank out episode four, but it just didn't work out for us. So happy to be here today. We hope that you continue to listen to us and that you like everything we're putting out. We're trying to tailor it to all of our listeners. So please, please, please go like, follow, share anything you see on social media. It's going to help us out a lot and it's going to allow us to keep doing this hopefully eventually on a larger scale. So once again, we are fourth and forever sports. We appreciate all of you. Catch you next week. Sports country. Let's ride.